This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. All right, a special Tuesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is Rob Fay, and as always, I think at this point, Robert, we have to call this like almost like the Rob and Rob show. As Rob Simpson of VancouverHockeyNow.com joins me, Robert, you're down at the arena, and there's a lot of buzz going on, my friend. How you doing? Not bad. I'm doing what hockey people do. I'm having my Zamboni therapy right now. I'm watching the old <laughs> bony go around and around and around, and it just feels great. I want to know if that's how it feels when we talk about Canuck trade talks round and around and around we go like the Zamboni, because, you know, I I was listening this morning to and I don't want to put a name to this, but a very prominent media person in this city was pretty much validating Canuck Twitter as a viable source of information. And I thought to myself, at that point, I need to get off the carousel because that's too crazy for me. But when you hear the constant names just being thrown out there randomly and deals and stuff, how do you sift through all the shit? Uh, I don't. So in other words, I just basically ignore it. So I, I wrote what I've written more than once in the last two to three weeks, and I stick by it. And in fact, today, I finally just said, having heard a little bit of what you're referring to, because I don't really listen that much and I don't read other stuff that much. And I definitely don't listen to non-media Twitter because unless I'm answering questions, because kind of what you and I said two or three weeks ago and what was written two weeks ago about the JT Miller, et cetera, I'm now hearing repeated by the legitimate outlets, so to speak. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's logic. And you talk to Jim Rutherford. I sat with him for 25 minutes at practice Sunday. I was the only media guy here and I've known him for a long time. So we're just shooting the crap talking about, you know, food and Super Bowl and everything else you talk about. And, but definitely a sense that, you know, what is, what is all this stuff? And Bruce Boudreau just did an availability uh, and said, again, they've never said a word to me about a trade, which would be, you know, kind of customary. I would think that they might want to run run it by the coach that has to put the lineup together on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. So I just refer today. I, I just threw out and I it wasn't intended for anybody. It was just kind of like, okay, here's my article again from two weeks ago. And, and, uh, and I know for a fact, you and I have talked about it. In fact, I, I, on the radio, I, I stumbled across a couple few days ago, someone talking and, and I thought literally they were reciting my story. That feels good. You know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. It just took through two or three weeks to get there. And then I heard somebody talking about Jim Rutherford being leveraged at this point, forced into making a deal because, you know, that deal could be taken off the table or something. I'm like, what? There is no leverage at all at this point when you are still four or five weeks away from the trade deadline. And you're talking about, in the case of JT Miller, a guy who is playing at a discount with a year left on his deal. It's like, come on, really? We're talking about Jim Rutherford. See, I don't want to take shots either, but you know what? At this point, I don't really give a shit. The problem with this generation's media is that they figure, and oh no, I say this openly, gone are the days of having a research. You know, research in today's age is let's see what, you know, somebody else has already written. And there used to be this thing, I used to work at a, a radio station, News 1130, 
And there was this big thing on the whiteboard, this big motto that says, what are people talking about today? And I always used to take umbrage with it because I said, why are we talking about stuff that's already out there? Like, shouldn't the phrase be, what are we going to tell people to talk about today? And by that, it means you got to be ahead of the story. You've got to start to develop these things instead of just taking rebounds off the glass from missed shots. To me, the problem with the media today is it's just a bunch of gray matter and it's harder and harder to find authentic voices that are actually doing the work. Well, I'm not going to comment on that. I'll keep that. Uh, I'll take the heat for that. Opinions to myself in terms of the market. I have. You got to sit I, there. You got to sit down at the beside these well, guys. I don't. Well, I have my I have my impressions. Let's just put it that way. And I I think because of cross pollinization, if that's the right case here, where payrolls overlap. Yep. Um, I think what you think are four voices are actually only one. Well, it's the same with so the Blue Jays. It's the exact same thing. But I will say this also: having hosted a I, having hosted a national hockey talk show with Gordy Stellick in the mornings for four years, I understand why, you know, you do have to have shite to talk about. Fortunately, we had really hardworking producers. We were loaded with national guests every day. So we didn't really get into, we very rarely got into rumors at all. And maybe a little bit of trade talk if it was appropriate. But if we had a trade talk conversation, we'd basically just call the guy that it was involved the GM or the coach or the player and say, or the agent and just have them on and say, how are you doing? So I, but I get it. I mean, I mean, you have to generate material when you're limited by, you know, there's only one hockey team. They're not covering 32 teams are covering one. So you have to, you have to sell newspapers, so to speak. Let's talk about the team as a whole, because right now, I don't know what to make of them, aside from the fact that Thatcher Demko is already the MVP. He could stop the season right now, and he is. Oh, but, yeah. You know, against Phoenix, they got the two points they should have gotten. They looked miserable against the Islanders. They got 53 shots put on them by the Maple Leafs, but thanks to Thatcher, they get two points here. If I'm Bruce Boudreaux, what am I feeling right now? Well, he's feeling great about his goaltending, which uh, makes a coach look fantastic, uh, as you've just stated. Um, he's feeling good. This is a question I just asked him in the media available this morning. I said, uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, Kyle Burroughs has played very well. I love the kid, by the way. I and mean, he's not really a kid anymore, but he's, he, you know, he just hits everything. He's he'll drop the gloves. You know, he's just, he's a solid player. And as, and as Bruce mentioned, he now basically has eight defensemen to work with. He's waiting for Tucker Poolman to come back, which he thinks should happen in the next week or so. This is this was a, actually a nice little piece of news coming out of the avail with with Gabby. Um, you know, Quinn Hughes has gone through the American BS of the COVID for whatever the ten days. He'll play in San Jose. Should I believe get on the airplane, fly back with the team, having gone through it and being done with it? No problemo. Ready to rock and problema is the proper pronunciation to come up and just continue playing hockey in Canada. You get Pullman back. Wow. Suddenly you've got all these options and you've got options on the right side, which is nice just because it's the weaker side. Hamannick and Burroughs, two cases in point, Pullman, another one. Um, by the way, I asked Gabby, I said, my first question was just point blank. Will Travis Hamannick be making the trip? Because up until now, he has not crossed the border. Now, am I insinuating anything? No. Well, maybe. Um, we asked for him for the avail today. Did not get him. We got Tanner Pearson and then Coach. Coach said, 
I see no reason to believe why he wouldn't make the trip. That's the answer. So let's just assume everything's honky dory and dude's vaxxed up, his knee's fine, and he's ready to rock and roll. He practiced today. So if he's with the team practice today, I, I would love to use the assume word that everything's great and he'll be going on the trip. So that said, there's all the options that Gabby had. A long way around here. Sorry, but I had to get into that because obviously it's a could be fascinating if it goes a different direction. Uh, but what Gabby's thinking is, yeah, my goalie's fantastic. I got more defensive opportunity uh, people to choose from, and my forwards are starting to score. And and you know, guys that were sucky early in the season are starting to play better. So a guy that obviously I think when you bring something like that up would be right at the forefront is Elias Pedersen. And Pedersen's an interesting study in what he does on the ice and what the box score says. And I, I know I use baseball adage when I use box score, but um, frustrating when you look at it on paper, but he is still being productive. Am I wrong to say that? Or is he, is he hit and miss? What, how would you size him up over even like the last 15 games where he is starting to put points on the board? Yeah, no, Petey's been valuable. You, here's a telltale sign. I, I did, and I appreciate your support for it. I believe you kind of tweeted some support for it, but I did the uh, uh, Elias Pettersson uh, shift by shift, shift, shift diary. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. From the last game. And you'll notice that at the end of the game, um, Pod Colson and Hoagie Hoaglander got yanked off and they were done probably about six, seven minutes left in the game. Petey kept playing. He was jumped onto a line with uh, Lamico was a center. So he got, he still had some responsibilities. Didn't play on that very end of the game power play. I don't think he wanted him out there for that. I kind of took it easy and made sure that he had the right bodies on the ice to wind down that hockey game. But generally um, if you look at the basic analytics, I don't go huge deep into analytics, but I, I do go through most of the basic stuff. He's got excellent numbers. He's playing a much better two-way game, or he has. Um, his offense wasn't necessarily there the other night, but man, that was a that was one hell of a hockey game. And and Toronto had ridiculous possession numbers, as you've just pointed out, in terms of the shots on goal and the opportunities that arose. So that's that's a tough one to really throw into the mix with the rest of them. I think otherwise. He has come around. It was like 10 points in 12 games, which compared to earlier in the season, that there was no clip like that happening. So, again, it comes down to not, not worrying about PD. Let's see what he does in San Jose Thursday night, and we'll go from there. It's a really tough year to size up the Vancouver Canucks because of games played, COVID, players that are there that are not there. Has this been a hard year for you to cover this team as well? No, I wouldn't say that. It's it's just been a never-ending. I mean, the opportunities to come up with new material. There, there's been very few times where you're sitting around going, "Gee, what am I going to write about today?" Because whether it's <laughs> whether it's personnel changes or COVID or injuries or new management or oh my god, I, like it's it's endless. And then of course, just to have this resurgence since December fourth under under Boudreau. Uh, it's been pretty remarkable. And now we're going to, oh, by the way, we should have maybe mentioned this off the top, 100% capacity now moving forward. Yes. That happened today. Winnipeg Jets did it, uh, announced it already. And then during the availability, we found out that Canucks will have 100%, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, but no, I mean, it's pretty clear. The the math is still difficult if, if you look at it as in huge chunks. But again, as Bruce Boudreaux has said, don't look at it that way. Look at it 
game to game, week to week, win the week, take two out of three, which they just did with the big win against Toronto. They're at 50 points. They're now two points ahead of San Jose. They have to win that game. And you're going to hear that over and over again as we continue forward. They have to win this game or that game. You can't drop one to San Jose, a team that struggled. They basically are down to Tomas Hurdle as their one and only threat. They've had injuries on the back end uh, with Carlson. Uh, and you can go on and on. They just basically have to absolutely have to take care of business on Thursday. They're five points behind. I just wrote this yesterday. Five points behind both third place in the division and the second wild card spot. So those are both playoff positions. Third in the Pacific is Los Angeles. And second wild card, last time I checked, was the Anaheim Ducks. Both those teams with 55 points. That is actually accurate. So now they have San Jose and then they have the Ducks at home. Talk about a big week there, Roberto. Yes, that is a very big week. And that Ducks one's looming like... I get it. Never look ahead. But when I see what's on the horizon, that Anaheim game, you want to measure yourself and see how far you've come. That's going to be one of those games where you can do it. I just want to circle back one last time and talk a little bit more about Bruce Boudreaux, because I think everything's now starting to settle in. You know, when you first build a house, it takes a couple of months for the house to settle and get all, you know, fixated. It can't be understated how much he has shifted this organization's psyche, how much fresh energy he brought in. I, I was just saying this the other day to a friend. It was so thick, just the disdain and, and just the, you know, if you could feel Jim Benning and Travis Green and that old regime. Bruce is still the best signing that they've had. Look at the records <laughs> since he came in. They went from dead last to being like we just discussed, you know, five points out of a playoff spot with 33 games left. That is a pretty substantial number if they continue going at the Bruce Boudreaux clip. So, yeah, no, there's no question about it. Think about the guys that have turned it around either permanently or for periods of time intermittently. And I, and I mentioned Elias Pettersson's name and Brock Besser's name first and foremost because both those guys were, let's just say, not anywhere near where they needed to be when at the time Boudreaux took over. And it, that absolutely changed. Tucker Pullman, who used, to, who used to drive me insane when I used to say, could somebody please tell Tucker Pullman that he's not Bobby Orr? <laughs> and, I, and I think that that happened because... These insane rushes stopped happening after Boudreaux got here. He'll jump in an occasion, on occasion, but oh my God, it's it's just night night and day. And and there's just been kind of this sense of camaraderie that definitely was not around. The mindless, brainless playmaking that had been around. It was just an unhappy group, and they became a happy group. And boy. Think of your own life, Roberto, and, and my life. Think about the difference in your performance when you're happy and confident or when you're not happy and not confident. It's two different worlds. Well, they get to take on a San Jose team that they have beaten in their last three head-to-head -head meetings. They've outscored them sizably. They've been good on the power play against them. The Sharks have not scored a power play goal against Canucks in the past three games. All signs point to a Vancouver victory. Rob Simpson of Vancouver Hockey Now, 
what are you picking? Who's going to win this and what's the score? Oh, really? Let's do it. Let's have some fun. Does a number pop into my head? A number pops into my head. I feel like uh, Johnny Carson. I, where's the envelope? <laughs> you need the hat. I'll just throw out a 4-1. I'll throw out a 4-1. A 4-1 Canuck victory? Yeah. I can't, I can't see a dud in this situation. I just can't see it. I mean, if a, a dud probably will come along at some point, um, and it, a lot of it just comes down to timing and schedule and a lot of different factors, but this does not tee up for me as a dud. So, um, yeah, 4-1 Canucks in this one. I am going to go 3-1 Vancouver, and I'm not trying to price is right you by beating you <laughs> by a dollar, but I will say they finally break. And here's something that Vancouver Canuck fans probably know already. In their past eight games, Vancouver Canucks are 4-4, four and four, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. So coming off that 3-2 victory over Toronto, if you were a patterns guy, you would say that they're due for a loss. But I think what we saw with a little bit of delay and Thatcher Demko getting an extra day off. I just think he's about to get red hot. Let's not forget, he was 8-1-0 and in the month of March last year. This is his prime time right now, and I think the Canucks are about to get hot. Yeah, and also re re recall kind of where this team was and who they were playing during that, you know, that little stretch that you're referring to. So um, this is a different animal right now, and – the schedule is spaced out and, you know, San Jose is San Jose. So they, if they lose the game, uh, which they have no right to do, I'd be utterly shocked at this point. And again, having been around long enough, there's no easy night in the National Hockey League. Who knows? Maybe San Jose has all everything clicking on all cylinders clicking. But I, I just it just that does not compute at this juncture. And finally, I just want to give you kudos, your piece on Tyler Toffoli to the Flames and what that meant for the Canucks. I always forget about the Daryl Sutter connection to so many players across the NHL. Um, yeah. You like that move, don't you? Yeah, I think uh, old Brad Treleving, my pal there, Tree in Calgary, has got, got maybe a little something going on there. It, the team's been a little bit mysterious at times, chemistry-wise. Like they, they go into these little ruts, but this year it's been pretty consistent, and Johnny Goudreau has been... Johnny Gaudreau, and um, they're getting the goaltending from Markstrom. They, you know, if you're in the top five, six, eight teams in the National Hockey League, uh, and you get the goaltending, and things click, and your momentum is rolling when it's going, and, uh, and remember, again, to bring up confidence, all momentum is, is collective confidence. It's a very powerful thing, and people wonder, the phenomena that is momentum. All it is is just a lot of people with confidence at the same time, whether it's in a short burst or whether it's over a long period of time. Confidence is all powerful, mind over matter. I, I think uh, the Flames have somewhat figured that out and they, and they have a reason to be confident. Love it. Well, Rob Simpson, you stop by any time. Thank you. I know that we're not doing these shows as much as we used to when we first started Sports Bar Radio, but it's great when I do fire up the old machine that you're there and we can talk to Canucks. And the good, the bad, the ugly, and all of it. Let's do it again next week, my friend. Keep her going. Thank you very much, Roberto. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen.